This episode is brought to you by the insurance agent I use for my own business, Doug Lynch, and his broker, Tracy Deerfelt, with the Nationwide Contractors Alliance. In the last year, I got to know Doug and Tracy as they were consulting for me on some questions I had for my own company. And after more than a decade in the business, I can confidently say I didn't even understand half the equation when it comes to general liability insurance. I'm confident, actually, that very few builders do. I had some big gaps in my understanding and even more in my coverage. Now, this is a risk-heavy business, and you can't leave everything you've built, no pun intended, to chance. Make sure you have good protection. Make sure you have reliable protection, and make sure the agents you work with have your back. Doug and Tracy are by far the best I've found in the business, or I wouldn't use them myself. They assessed my particular business, built me a customized plan around it, and now, of course, I sleep better at night as a result. Visit douglaslynch.com and nwcalliance.com to learn more about how insurance and other solutions can really work for builders. All right, I want you to say welcome to Building Optimal Radio. Go on. What do I say? You say welcome to Building Optimal Radio. Welcome to Building Optimal Radio. There y'all have it. This is Jared Gossett. This is, yes, a professional intro. Why? Because we have the coronavirus right now shutting down schools, which means my daughter is working with me this week. I want to introduce to you all one of uh, our listeners and also a fantastic builder, Brian Uhler. This is a little different episode today. This is just a short conversation that I had with Brian. We recorded about um, wages versus profits and uh, the difference between the two and a mistake that I think a lot of builders fall into, especially earlier in their careers. So, uh, Enjoy, and you guys stay safe out there. All right the the topic we wanna we wanna hit on here is uh, uh, the difference between wages and profits, which uh, I think we're both in agreement on. A lot of builders get wrong. Now let, let me give everybody a little bit of a backstory. Um, you and I, I think, entered into some kind of back and forth conversation uh, on Instagram a few months ago talking about you, you had a really good, insightful post on the topic. And, uh, and so that was what kind of cued this whole thing off. But why don't you give us for a quick kind of a, a the backstory on your company or your history that, uh, that has kind of led you to where you are right now and your current understanding of um, wages versus profits and, and, uh, the like. Yeah. So I think I would have to go back to my dad actually, cause he started the company in 1978. And for him, you have to go back to being a farmer in North Dakota. So it, some of this almost seems to be in our blood. He was one of eight children. And of all of them, when he got an allowance, he was the only one who didn't spend it right away. Instead, he saved it. So I think there's just a little bit of a accountant bookkeeping. 
Man, that's a, that's a smart little kid. How old was he when he realized you that? You know, that's a good question. I don't know, but recently I've been talking to him even more about when he was a young kid. And he would save up to buy himself little tractors. And uh, so I'm just going to guess eight or nine years old. <laughs> Impressive. That's some willpower. Yeah. Yeah. So what he ended up doing was he ended up going to college the first out of the kids had no idea what he was doing. So he just picked, you know, the course curriculum, the track, I guess is what you'd call it. And it just so happened to be finance. And then he was a minor in political science. So then what he ended up doing was taking that and he could see the Vietnam war, uh, how that was going to impact him. So he actually joined the army figuring he might be able to select a little bit where he would be. So he ended up being in the real estate corps in Saigon, managing leases for the army. So he was managing uh, pretty high dollar, pretty high amounts of money uh, for them. And he was just a kid, you know, probably early 20s. So then when he came back, uh, there was no work with my grandpa, who was a banker. So he was recommended to go work for a a general contractor who did like commercial and residential work. So dad ended up being their accountant. He was their cost accountant actually. So he started learning the background of construction. I think he ended up actually superintending. And so he got the number side and he got to see the construction side and, and it was driving him nuts because he could see that, the owner of the company was buying a bunch of heavy equipment and not spending his money uh, intelligently. So the lady who was the accountant there said, well, Tim, basically you can either quit complaining or you can go out and start your own company. And so that's what he did in 78. He started the company. And so that was his background was the finance and accounting side. And honestly, I think that's why he ended up being successful as a business person is he was numbers first and then he learned the construction side. Okay. That's, that's actually kind of similar to my journey as well in terms of numbers first or business side first, then construction second, which I think is a little bit of a, more circuitous path than a lot of people take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's how you, so you came into it with a pretty informed perspective already. So here, here is, here is my perspective. Let's, let's jump into like the, the nitty gritty of this. So what I think happens a lot in this business and what people need to be, be aware of and cautious and cautious about is it, um, uh, we go and we calculate job costs and we calculate, um, especially this is especially true for guys that, you know, smaller outfits, calculate job costs and and we calculate our fee and, you know, fee minus job cost is your profit. Um, and I, I realize I'm very much simplifying, but I think this, this holds true. And, and so we take our profit and we think we're making a good profit, but what we don't realize is that, um, we have two roles as, as owners of a company. We've got the entrepreneurial role, which is to um, generate a, a profit, um, generate a profit in response to the risk that we take 
so an economic profit mm-hmm. on the on the uh, on the company and on projects. And we also then have a role as an employee. So we've got a role as an owner employee. The two, in my opinion, absolutely have to be bifurcated, separated. And the role as an employee needs to be treated on, on project cost and on the balance sheet of the company at a, at a fair market rate for you to not be lying to yourself. So a lot of us may underpay ourselves and we don't factor in a real, a real wage into the cost of our business. And I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong. So I'll get off my soapbox right now. I'm curious to hear your, <laughs> hear your perspective on this. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think when a person first starts out, that's just the natural thing to do. Um, and again, just to go back to what my, my father did, because ours is a very mature company. So we've learned a lot of those lessons. He always paid himself a wage. So when he first started, he did six spec homes right out of the gate. You know, and if you know anything about that time period in the United States economic history, <laughs> that was a very rough time uh, to get construction loans and try to start a construction business. So he was a carpenter. And yeah, he did his bookkeeping and all of that at night, but he always paid himself a wage. So even if he didn't make money on the house, and I think almost every house he has, I mean, it's been very rare. Even if he didn't make net income, when you look at your budget, he still would have made money by being in his framing category or finished carpentry or whatever the case was. So you're absolutely right. Um, If you're going to be a business owner and you're self-performing, you have to pay yourself a wage and you have to be charging a profit or you should just work for somebody else and earn a wage. You're taking a risk um, in a capitalistic society like this one. Risk ends up getting rewarded for that. Um, so, yeah, that's my response to what you just said. Yeah, and, and um, one thing I want to hit on, since you, you brought this up, the, the spec side of the business, um, that is something that, that also a lot of builders that I see will – go structure the, the, um, the financing and, and the deal for the spec, the spec loan or for the spec home. And they, and they won't, um, factor in a good overhead fee that are a fee to cover their overhead inside their overhead. In my opinion, should also be, you know, their wage. They need to be receiving a, a, a fair wage. Um, so I just want to mention that right now. It's kind of, a different, uh, a different thread all in the same fabric here that we're talking about. But is that something, since you guys do a lot of spec homes, do you, um, do you believe in that philosophy in terms of making sure that you, you draw some overhead during the, during the course of the project? Yeah, it, when we do, even if we do a custom home, say, and it's involving a, um, like an all-in-one construction loan where the customer has the construction loan and it turns over to a mortgage and we have to do draws the way the total contract gets. I don't think amortized is the right word, but the way the whole contract price gets spread out over all of the different elements of the build, 
it naturally pays the overhead and profit in that percentage. So say you've got 100% of a sales price and the custom home is $350,000. Let's just say, and I'm making percent of your itemization is framing costs. What did I say, 300,000? It doesn't mean that your framing would be 30,000. It could be 25,000. And then your overhead and uh, profit is on top of that. It's just included in that draw payment. I hope that made sense. Yeah, yeah, that did. That did. Well, hitting on one other topic here while we're on it. Um, so if everybody needs to needs to factor in economically, a, you know, a fair wage to themselves, I do want to point out that sometimes cash is, is tight and I get it that maybe sometimes, um, you know, there's the leaders eat last philosophy and, and some home builders just simply want to take a lower than fair market wage. I actually did that for a good amount of the, the early part of my career. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with doing that if you're trying to conserve cash and, and that's your philosophy and that's fine. Um, but what I do think you have to do is when you print out your, your financial statements and you look at them at the end of every month, you need, you need to realize you're looking at an, at an inflated mm-hmm. bottom line and you need to make that adjustment to your financial statements to reflect a real, to, if you want to, if you want to get a real clear economic picture of, of your company. So I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. And I might kind of add to that. We like building, you like building, I like building. So it's easy to fool ourselves into doing the little odds and ends on the job and not realizing that there is an economic value and a cost to that. So what we've kind of discovered, my dad is mostly retired now, and I've, you know, 90, 95% taken over. I definitely still consult with him and he assists, but I think we're making a pretty decent transition. Well, because of that, my brother-in-law who works for us does a lot of the things that I would do or my dad would do, and he's an hourly worker. His hourly wages show up in the job costing. So there's no no fooling myself for what the job actually costs. I don't have to kind of keep a footnote in my brain. Well, yeah, but you were doing some air sealing here and there. No, oh, I think it was about this much. There's just no substitute for having the hard costs and not trying to remember that. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, um, I think that I don't want to beat a dead horse here. I think, again, I just wanted this to be a pretty simple laser focused topic. I think we both, both kind of laid out our, our opinions. So, um, I don't know. Do you have any, any parting words you want to add into the mix here? (laughs) I think the only thing I would say is sometimes we get questioned even by like a real estate agent or even if it's not a verbalized question you can hear that there's a question there as to why we charge more than someone else why our homes cost more than someone else and i say well i don't know what their numbers are i actually have one builder in my mind right now they went bankrupt and they didn't pay their subcontractors when the housing downturn happened So now we're up against this coronavirus thing. And by being fiscally disciplined and knowing numbers all the way up until now, it won't surprise me if the same thing happens to those folks. 
but we've been in business for what 42 years now pretty close to 42 actually and we're going to continue being able to pay our subs and it's just because we know what the difference is between wages and profits and that's what is the difference between a long-term successful construction company and one that it just lives on the boom and bust yeah let's hit on that for a second this is going to be a curveball for you because we didn't um, talk about this up front, but I mean, 42 years in business is, um, is ancient in a good way yeah. for a home builder, <laughs> for a construction company, right? So, uh, what's the, what's the secret sauce? Um, so I'll tell you a story, whether it's apocryphal or true or not, I, I can't speak to, but I really like the principle. Um, so there was a, Guy who became, he was either an expert or a master chess player or checkers player. And you know, people always say that when you play these guys, they think so many steps ahead and what have you. Yeah. So this guy said, he doesn't do that. He thinks one move ahead, but it's always the right move. And so I watched this little checkers deal on YouTube where they told that story. And so the guy who's teaching this and tells the story, He's got his checkerboard set up, and at each step, he reanalyzed the board and what the move would be. And of course, by the end, he won. And I thought about that. And you can try to strategize and think multi-years ahead, and it's good to be a high-level view like that. But each decision, look at all of the aspects that you can, educate yourself, and then take the next step forward that's the right decision. So like right now, there's been two or three land deals, two land deals and one potential custom home. I won't talk about the custom, but for the land deals, I passed on them. Now, two months ago, I might not have, but with this coronavirus thing, I think now's the time to be conservative and conserve cash and you know try to uh, not overextend or outlay too much capital and tie it up somewhere. So if I can just use that as kind of an illustration of each decision, make sure that you're going into it with your eyes wide open and make the best move that you can at that particular time. Yep. Great advice. And I think that the proof is in the pudding, right? You guys have made it for, 40 plus years. So, yeah. Well, and if I could add to it, um, my dad was the guy on the job site that would be wearing sweatpants, sweeping the job on the weekend when customers would walk through, they would never think he's the, the builder. <laughs> so he could yeah. hear him talking and about the house and what have you. He's always been unassuming. He's never lived beyond his means or lived a, a high lifestyle. He's never been the kind of the person who needs to go out and buy a big truck. He's the, just a humble person who lives that way. And I hope that I have that same kind of lead a simple life mentality. And you just kind of can't help but conserve your funds that way. But I think more to the point, it's a mentality that you just don't, you're just responsible. I think that's the simplest way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. We, as humans, we tend to, 
expand our uh, our requirements for living as our income increases. Yeah. And even people who are doing well seem to let it all evaporate. So that was one of the things in an earlier episode with David Gerstel that he did a really good job hitting on. And, and one of the interesting mm, commonalities between you, your company, and David is that, uh, well, actually, in addition to both y'all being out on the on the West Coast, um, two of the people who I know who've, who've had long-term success in the business. So there's, well, there's probably a pattern. There's probably a if, pattern of truth within everything we're talking about right here. If, because uh, I've got his book on my end table in my great room right now, one oh, of yeah. his books. Yep. If we are mentioned in the same breath as him, that is a high compliment. Yeah, he is. He is a fantastic thought leader, builder, human being. Um, but again, you guys, um, I mean, we've never met personally, but I, everything I've seen from you guys, you all have a great reputation and your track record speaks for itself. So there's success leaves clues. Hopefully we can pick up a few from you guys and from David. Thank you. All right. Well, Brian, great having you on. Let's keep this short. Let people marinate on what we had to say and, uh, and let's possibly do this again next time. Talk about pre-con next time. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Have a good evening. Thank you. Bye-bye.